0: The dog, you know, it's the, the sky, and he's going up. rather he's walking with him, going up and just goes like this. And the thought came to me like this, you know. Mm. Another reflection came like uh, sometimes you are taking, like uh, a snake or something is going in the road. I see, and I stop, you know, and I try and take him across because I see that. Traffic is going to get smashed. You, know? if you take it to trample it across and it bites you. you know? Because they don't know. They don't know anything apart from the reactions or something. The fear, like this. Or this dog, it was three weeks ago or whatever. It was just lying inside a pet shop in a glass box. As many creatures are, I see many of them. And you take them out, of course, and uh, they. You you come to a place like this, but it has no way of being of showing appreciation. Doesn't know. Oh, thank you for taking me out of this place!'' I mean, some some do. Some things. Um, you see, some fishes, you know, living in a very small thing. You take them out, put them in a river, and they, they just move. They don't know. And for them, it's fine, because the consciousness is working in a simple way. But for a human being, appreciation is a very powerful thing, because it's part of the way in which the consciousness uh, refine itself and become more humble, more pliable, more receptive, and so on. So with the animal you can see, they don't know. You take them out of. Uh I saw actually, there are some that that have this awareness. I was watching one video somebody sent me, of a lion or something. I think the lion was somehow. You know, mm-hmm. it was in some desperate situation before, and it was rescued by some people. And like one and a half years later, the people came to see the lion. The lion came and was hugging them, and was very happy. Like, So my God, look at this! You know, like they didn't have a relationship before; it just got, I think, it got rescued or something from some situation. I don't know what the details were, but now it sees the people. Remember, ah, you saved my life. Yeah, and it hugs them and licks them. Maybe another two come, he eats them. But these two, ha, ah, I remember you. You saved my life. And so it has this thing. And there was, human beings, we look at this and think, wow, look at this, amazing. A lion usually eats you. This lion is very, it's even showing affection. You can see that lion is very, very affectionate. It's rubbing its head against the shoulders, it's licking, it's it's hugging them. The guys, I saw it, you know. I don't know if many of you see this thing. Um, but generally, things uh, they don't seem to show this thing. I remember one time, um, in my house in London, in my mother's house, I was sitting one day with my sister, and we have a fireplace, a traditional chimney fireplace. But in many places in London now, they cover them, and they put gas fire there. We also have gas fire now. And everything is blocked up, except a little hole at the bottom. Where I think they left the the flue or a draft coming a little hole at the bottom. We were sitting inside the front room, and uh, I saw this thing go like this. I said, wow! What's that? It was so it was such a surprise. You know? This little, t- I said, oh look at this. And she said, Julie came in, my sister. She said, what is that? I said, look at this. Look, keep your eye on this hole. And again, and she jumped completely on top of the sofa. She said, what is that? You know. But I said, no, no, no. I think there's something there. I started to look at it. I said. It must be something that is trapped there. And it was a bird. Oh, no. A bird had fallen from the chimney mm. and dropped all the way down. Now, there is no chance you have. It can't fly out mm-hmm. of that. So, it is going to die there. So we went and we took the whole chimney apart, <laughs> took <take laughs> up my take up my mother's uh, um, fireplace and everything opened. And this little bird, we opened the window, the little bird come. <laughs> Flying. on the window, fly across the road and stop on the other window on the opposite side of the road. And he stood there for about I don't know, half a minute singing. I've said it's okay, okay, it's enough, it's okay. It's en- but I knew it was just so happy. It was just so happy to be free. Yes. I saw this person, My God, look at this. Julie, look, look, look. Because she would, she would not she would leave it there. She would go and spray something. <laughs> she <laughs> because she's afraid. That's what we do. When you're afraid, you don't know what it is, uh, you would go, she would go and she should go and spray fly killer or something on it. But we took took it apart and the bird came out and I wanted her to see and she herself, she cried. She was so happy, she said, My God, look at that, you know. The bird is saying, Thank you for this. I did. So some they display this, but in the human being, this should always be there. Like for every moment of your life, to look and just have a heart full of gratitude. Gratitude even for the fact that you've got a body that can sense. You've got senses. You've got a mind uh, that you can think. Even to think, you can say thank you that I can think. Even the thoughts can beat the shit out of you. Okay. But also, you can use it wisely and learn so much, because consciousness needs to think at first, and then to outsmart thinking, to come back to its own peace. It has to learn how to use the mind properly. The mind is like a big ship, consciousness. has to use this mind somehow, as the biggest mirror for itself. So in a human being, this attitude of gratitude should always be there. But we develop so, so bad attitude by identifying as a person, that we really say thank you we are always complaining something doesn't suit me i don't like this why do i have to do that and so this is a human being i don't know if any other creature on the world in the planet does this thing we are the masters of complaint <laughs> why this this happen I, I don't like i don't like my life you know i don't like being here i want to be there i don't like my family i, don't. I think we are the experts at this but the, the attitude of gratitude, I feel, this is why I say, to say thank you. Learn to say thank you. At first, you may not think you have anything to say thank you for, so you can just start mechanically, just saying thank you, and then it starts to come inside. Oh my God, I could say thank you for this, or thank you for that, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who are you saying thank you to? Doesn't matter. Even if you don't believe in a God, you know life. You must be smart enough, a sufficient intelligence, to say thank you to whatever makes this possible. That I, I can feel the sense of being, the sense of presence. I can feel and enjoy the sunlight or good health, or to see someone happy, to feel inspiration. This thank you, thank you, thank you. Why not thank you? It is infinitely greater and smarter than saying, "Oh no, thank you, I don't want this." It's so much. So we show we are not so smart. you cripple your consciousness with just uh, trying to be something, trying to be special, trying to be seen. It's completely. But just to say thank you for even painful experiences. You say, "Yeah, actually, you know, it brought this insight. It brought a certain thing. Painful experiences teach you." To be more contemplative, more reflective, and so on—everything you can say, thank you for this. Thing. Yeah. So this is why I say, even if you start off, you don't know. You maybe have developed such bad habits, You don't think there's anything in life to say thank you for. I've met people like this. So what do I say thank you for? For what? My life's a bitch. I said, really. It's gonna become a super bitch, you can't continue like that. So all this can change. It's just delusions. Times um, naturally that feeling of thank you is just there. Yeah. You know. It's just that expression of gratitude is there, and then other times there's more. You could say like negative energy or anger or this sort of like uh, energy there. And um, if 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 I try to say oh no that shouldn't be there. I should say thank you then. Does it not create more emotion? No not that not that shouldn't be there. Not that shouldn't be there. But make use of that to find your real mm. attitude. Not that should not be there. Mm. Because many things have to be there in order to in fact is that when the thing that you are blaming for your anger feelings in themselves they've got nothing to do with anger anger necessarily. It's just that maybe something inside you feel that day that should not be there. You see. But when you reflect and if you look more deeply, you will see that wait that thing being there, that thing manifesting, is helping for me to see something that maybe I would not see otherwise. You see? And that it is worth seeing that because in a way like we don't want to see something that's not flowing inside. But you should thank the thing that shows you that something is not flowing inside. In a way, you can look and say, "Okay, you know, I can see because almost we feel that there's a wrong that is just outside us. This is a wrong that's doing yes, and there is that too because there are other forms and other belief systems functioning around you. But nothing by itself can make you suffer. You have to participate. You have to also tune in, log in to that type of a certain mentality to then feel yeah you know i you know, i don't like I but if you if you look into it and you feel what even painful things bring and you are very still inside and allow it don't say it should not be let it be there and be quiet you will see the opportunity you would otherwise have missed if you just labeled that thing as being wrong I see that in everything, it's possible to look and to find what it somehow brings to you. That is a, a, a positive, a, a, an opportunity for transcendence or for mm, clarifying something or putting an end to something. It's there in service of something. I don't think there's anything that you may call happening. We're going to get more subtle now to speak like that because what constitutes an happening or an event. What is it that con- is there? Any such thing as an event, or is it an event for you, in your mind? Mm-hmm. Because what, through your conditioning, you may perceive as an event, someone entirely would not register that that even happened. So, if it was truly an event, it would be an event for everybody, because it has nothing to do with whether your choice or not. But an event has a lot to do with somehow how you respond to something, or something happens, and what says, OK, this thing has happened, this thing is happening to me, particularly if the feeling, this thing is happening to me, then it registers as an event. And this is why I was given the example, that if you, if I ask, What's happening here? Somebody come on the scene just now, and say, What's happening here? Two people may answer very differently. One person may say, Listen, don't even ask, because you can't cope with my answer. There's too many things happening here to even begin to tell you. now.'" And in the time it tells me to tell, to tell you, another hundred things are happening. And somebody else in the same space may say, nothing's happening. And I would have to accept both answers as true in their own right. Because a thing is not true in itself, it's true in the mind of the perceiver. It is whatever it is in the mind of the perceiver. And this is why I say that it can change. And why I will not call anything in the manifest world truth. Because it is optional. It is depending upon your perception of it. So even something may be called a truth, but someone is totally not aware of it at all. So how can you evaluate or discern something to be an absolute or meaning the truth, meaning something absolute? It means that it's always true. It is on any angle, any moment, any situation, any circumstance, it is always consistently dependably true. Is there anything like that? And you'd have to admit there is nothing like that. Nothing exists as an absolute in itself. Nothing phenomenal exists as an absolute in itself. It is only in the mind of the perceiver that deems it to be, it exists or it doesn't exist, that gives it credibility. Do you know anything at all that you can say, of this, I am totally sure this exists? as a reality for you, you see. that is not altered by time, or by mood, or the mood of perception, the functioning of perception, or anything like this. Can you say anything that you can say? This, this remains constant. throughout all the changing states even. If someone really understood this inside the heart, it would make a difference to what you call your life. The thing is that we uh, we read so much, we hear so much, we talk so much, that actually words don't have any power at all. We've overused them. Overusing words means that you use words, but you have not contemplated them. You've not verified their validity inside your heart. It's just they're just kind of concepts that we pass around, like currency. Like I spent ten pounds yesterday, I don't miss it. I don't remember that ten pounds personally. It was not a personal ten pound. We are using that concept like this. And like money, suppose your grandmother gave you, you know, ten dollars. It's ten dollars. For anybody else it's ten dollars. But for you it's your grandmother's ten dollars. Okay? So somebody comes and wants to borrow some money from you and they say, This man, can I borrow ten dollars from you? I say, Yeah, go in my purse and you can take me. You say, Oh, don't touch this one. You know, I can give you another ten dollars, but don't touch this ten dollar. So for them say, Hey what's a bad ten dollar or ten dollar? Uh, no no no, it's okay, you know, but you can have this one. Because this is more than $10. This has been sentimentalised now. So it's my grandmother's $10. Okay? So that meaning, you have given to it. Nobody else has given to it. And it is the same with most concepts. You, you use concepts, we use concepts. They are not special in themselves. You make them special. So I want to know if there is anything in the life that you can say consistently, This keeps its validity. This keeps its its truthfulness. This keeps its factfulness. This is always the same. I don't think you're going to give me an answer on that one. And if you see that everything that I consider to be so is just how it appears to me in my consciousness, how it appears to me through my upbringing or my um, programming or whatever and that I give the right and see that in another person, in another vessel of consciousness, it might be perceived very differently. It may not even be acknowledged as important enough to call it an event. Then you would have to admit, actually, I cannot see anything at all. That I can say, this thing is absolutely the same in any time of day, in any time of year, in any season, in any mood. It remains the same then if you've understood this inside your heart then you cannot give power to something you cannot give it nothing has that power in itself it has to be a relationship that you supply the power of your meaning to it the meaning it should have for you it does not have the power in itself because if something had the power in itself it would have the power over everybody for everybody would would have to acknowledge this thing is powerful this cup is a divine cup. Then I show someone who's an atheist. You know, you know this cup. Oh no, I can't drink. That's a divine cup. You'd have to say that. They say no. This is all of rubbish. You're divine? What's the rubbish? You see. So you cannot say that. You can only say this is how it feels for me, and even how it feels for you. Maybe tomorrow you change your mind. Tomorrow, listen, man. Just give it to the pigs. You, your nothing is so constant then if you have understood this and contemplated it, not just understand it intellectually, but you have really contemplated it, then what is going to be so fascinating about anything in the world for you? And whatever that thing is, in itself it has no power. It only has power in its, in its, in its symbol inside your mind. I'm just asking you to look at this and to say, honestly, is it true or not? Then you'll have an understanding a little bit of what things are. You will have an understanding in your heart that, you know, how can I say, how can I be, how can anything that I'm perceiving destroy me, you know, break my heart, oh my God, unless it is just your projection. And I don't want to say glibly like, okay, fine, done, finished now, everybody can go. No, you're going to have to sit with that. You're going to have to sit with that over breakfast and lunch and dinner and bedtime. You're going to have to contemplate that, until somehow it gets rendered inside your being. Because if you say, Yeah, yeah, I agree, that was really nice, you'll walk off and you'll go different directions with that understanding. It will not stay with you. Why? Because you've done it a thousand times with different things. That you've looked at and felt, you know, this is so important. You walk away, and it hasn't. It is not. It is not inside your being anymore. Then, is there a need for anything like this to stay with you? Actually, I would say, through contemplation, it is worth it that when an insight flowers inside your heart, then it is good to give time, to 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 register, to acknowledge this inside your being. Don't just say, well, it's just another phenomenon, I can forget about it. Because that is just stupidity. You cannot be some, uh, you're not going to somehow mm, transcend the power of your own egoic thinking like that. You have to somehow sit and uh, verify your experience, digest your seeing, your understanding. Just that little bit you have to do. Contemplate over and over again. There are just a few insights that you need to somehow mm, acknowledge in the depths of your heart. Not a hundred things, not fifteen things. But uh, some things simply flower inside your consciousness, and it's so important that you have to leave everything for it. You have to leave your family, leave dinner. Sometimes you have to put your baby down. For a minute, I just have to go and just have to sit in the garden for a minute with this. And just digest your understanding. Don't just say, oh, I can wait." I get back to that. No, no. Sometimes you have to leave things, which appear to be important for, to go and sit by yourself, to render your seeing. To 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 firm up your understanding in them, and it is worth it because when you do that, the power of that insight is gonna infuse power maybe for the rest of your life if it needs to be it will inform your consciousness in such a powerful way but if you are just treating it like you know some kind of you know candy you enjoy for a moment then nothing comes of it how many of us have read things in books that you felt wow that is so that is so powerful but you can't remember what it is it it, it didn't join your life It just joined your mind for a moment, like you did with flavours, you know, so many flavours you can taste and it's just pass on. But there are some things that you will hear or see or experience that will change your life. Maybe it will be a person. Maybe it will be a doctor or a meeting, one one meeting or something that is gonna have such a tremendous impact on your life. It's not gonna be the same again. Like if you go to see your doctor and uh, they do some tests and you go back to get the report, you're going back next week. We send you next Wednesday. We'll we we'll send you the report and then on Monday the doctor call you. I think you better come and see me in person. Already, tick tock, tick tock. They sit you down and say, "Who is your next of kin?" Your yeah, your life has changed. Already. Okay, there' are some news. it need not be bad. It just can just be impactful. that the impact of that, the few words spoken is going to change the way the velocity of your thinking, the way that you look, is gonna one moment, something said, something heard or understood, is gonna kill time for you. When I say kill time, I don't pass time, I'm talking about time is finished for you. It leaves you no future. You know what it's like when you got no future? People think, oh my God, no prison. Actually, you are beginning to be free. Mm. When you don't have the space, because at present our future is only space for you to project your fantasies upon. When something robs you of time, takes time away from you, introduces you to the presence. But something inside fights. No, no, no. That's terrible, my terrible. Life. But then, at a subconscious level, your life, your soul begins to breathe again, because you say, My God, I don't have time to play in my head anymore. Some people also, their life begins when they hear the news that they're going to die, actually. They begin to live. They say, My God, every moment is precious. So what do we understand about life? Very little. About life, there's no life apart from you. So if I say, What do you understand about life? I say very little. I can change it. What do you understand about you? Very little. Same thing. You, life, same thing. And do you need to understand uh, in terms of uh, information? No, you don't. Your life should not be information. Knowing yourself is not information. It is knowing some fundamental things. Like I say, that whatever you see, whatever you experience, is nothing is permanent you know and this is not a depressing discovery in fact it's a liberation it's only a depression for our projecting mind that you waste your life projecting all kind of fantasies which are totally unrealistic rather than face the full moment as it is the fullness of what you are as you are to live a life filled with distractions and distortions why grieve if such a life is cut short? So, these recent times I've been talking more and more that uh, the second aspect of my work of teaching, maybe you can put it like this, is more happening on an energetic level because the verbal. It's never it's never it's never actually been verbal, my interaction. It's always been energetic. But very often the people are listening on a verbal way because that's how traditionally we've understood things or have the, the notion of understanding things, is that it makes sense and yeah yeah. And you have a, a feeling that you know something here, but here you deny it in your liberty. It's not it's not carrying through it's like you here you know yeah you are you know shiva but down here you know you are quite something else so they have to tally up somehow you cannot have you cannot dictate to life how life should be for you to serve you that is total arrogance if there's going to be an exchange, it is you who must drop. Life cannot drop. You have to drop your notions about who you are, about what life is. And something inside fights to retain identity. You know, I want to be like this. I want to, you know, it has to be like this. You want to keep you, but you don't know who you are because the the idea we have of who we are is almost a poison actually, to our true being. Very often we are very selfish full of fantasy, uh, full of complaints and fears, resistances, judgments, spiritual fantasies, all of this stuff. And something inside is fighting to preserve this idea of Self. And you can spend your whole life, if not lifetimes actually, in that delusion. This is why I say, come. Spend five, seven or ten days here. It will be enough. If your heart is full, if your heart is very open, I think you can move mountains of delusion. If your heart is closed, uh, not even, not even uh, <coughs> divine beings are really going to shift it. If you are just full of you, your own idea, A way to integrate the energy as well? Yes, yes, yes. Because what happens is that from time to time, if you have said yes inside your being, that uh, you know when I say yes, what I mean by yes. I don't mean a sort of like a superficial yes. I mean something inside feels yes. It comes to a place of yes, not a dry mental, intellectual yes, but just a yes, like I'm open. I'm ready, I'm available. as much as my capacity allows me to be, I say yes to the Truth. I don't know the details of truth. I only know the vibe of truth. Something has something touched my heart and it is enough. one whiff an incense whiff of God's breath is enough for you. You don't need all an afternoon of it. It's enough to to stir up within you an urge to finish your delusions. That's what I mean. And the moment you have said yes, then things begin to arise like waves of illumination will come from time to time. Sometimes unexpectedly you are walking and an insight burst flowers inside your consciousness. And you just need to go and sit down for a moment and be with that. Don't be mental with it, just to be with that. Acknowledge it somehow. To sit with that, to offer up your full your full attention to that. That's what I call self-respect. To be with it. Maybe in the beginning you don't know how. How do I be with it? Well, don't think too much about. It. Just sit. Just sit. Like if you were walking one day, and then somehow God came to walk with you and sit down together would you have a lot of questions you don't know maybe you're just so <coughs> empowered by the silence that you're just happy just to sit this is contemplation what do you do in contemplation <laughs> you don't know you're just there but your your whole being is an offering to that moment how i don't want to say how i don't want to create limitations around you just be there And you'll find that all your your A B your B C D E F problems that they have no play, they have no context, they have no part, they have no no space to molest your 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 piece. You're you're singular in your presence. If you don't contemplate things in a way that don't stay with you. When I say contemplate, I don't thought make a ceremony about it. I'm just saying that when something touches you deeply, naturally without anybody telling you, you want to go and be with it. In the highest points in your life, the highest moments in your life, you actually are the best time is being alone actually. You want to just go and sit with that because it just it's just so whole full the most powerful times in your life you will probably will be on your own just to sit with your inside your own presence and be quiet and it goes for everything also not just human beings a creature or something anything a dog gets hit in the road poof, and he runs off into the bush he sits there he's going to be in a powerful contemplation it's just you are compelled in fact There is a side to our nature that, that that just is working to be comfortable. But when you work to be comfortable, you just go to sleep in yourself. You sleep your chance by. Sometimes, I'm not saying to go look for trouble, I'm just saying that somehow you're open, and life visits you in many different ways, in many different forms. You become alive into life. When you are in a state of contemplation you naturally don't want to be in company very much. It is not something that is not a social um, quality. it is very very um, uh, reflective and quiet. And then after if you move in other with other people they are not uh, sucking your energy in fact in fact uh, your presence is radiating energy of the best kind you would not be saying oh i can't sit with people because somehow they dissipate my energy you will not experience that you find whatever situation you are you're perfectly you know charged inside with your own stillness it's not that you are being your your energy is fragmenting or that you are emerging energy it will not feel like that Anyone who is truly in satsang, after a short time, an energy will be flowing that is inexhaustible, in fact. It's inexhaustible. You know what exhausts you? Being ego is the most exhausting thing. Being self-conscious in a psychological way, how I'm doing, how the people seem this is exhausting. Conserving uh, being empty, not planning your next action, your next thought, your next feeling, nothing at all, just you're here. You see, we started off just this little talk because I said I saw the dog walking up, and I remember, and that uh, very often. Many times you see animal. Maybe you try to save them, and something they bite you, because they don't have that insight. They don't see that uh, your action is taking them to a better situation. And many people are like that. Actually, we don't have to go to the insect world or the animal world for that. Something is being done that is good, but they perceive it in their mind as bad. Is the thing bad in their, then in their consciousness? They register it as bad. If your mind is clean, everything that happens in the world is good. Everything is in service to you. If your mind is dirty, nothing in the world is good. You want to come out of this world, and you will bring your sickness to the next world.